How much is a mitzvah worth in dollar value? Which would you rather, a diamond or a mitzvah? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 44 of Tractate Gittin. And we learn that the reason people don't scoop up mitzvahs in this world is that they have no clue how much they're worth in the world of truth. Welcome to the Transformative Duff and thank you for being my chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. Yankel was a poor tailor who lived in Pinsk. He sewed day and night, but could never seem to make enough money to feed his family of ten. One day he learns of an island far away where instead of sand, the seashore was full of diamonds. And so he sets off to find his El Dorado. After months at sea, he finally arrives. Sure enough, the place is full of diamonds. He fills his pockets, his knapsack, his hat. He can't believe how rich he has become. He then sets off to the nearest restaurant and orders the finest cuisine. At the end of the meal, he pulls a huge diamond out of his pocket and tells the waiter to keep the change. Are you kidding me, says the waiter? Diamonds are worthless on this island. The currency here is fish. Crestfallen, he empties his pockets and sets out to learn how to fish. He's a quick learner and in no time manages to become quite wealthy as a fisherman. After amassing a small fortune, he sends word home to his wife to put a down payment on a mansion because he's on his way home with money galore. He arrives home with three boatloads of fish. By now, they're pretty smelly, having been in the hole for months. Undeterred, he goes to the bank and offers to complete payment on the house with his spoiled fish. Seriously, the bank manager screams at him incredulously, why would I want your smelly fish? The poor tailor walks away downtrodden. He gets home, takes off his clothing, and is getting ready to go to bed when he hears a clunk. Out of his pocket has fallen one lone diamond that remained from his original gathering. His wife has never seen anything so beautiful. She picks it up, runs to the bank, and with that single diamond, she pays off the entire new house. Today's stuff discusses the extraordinary value of mitzvahs. Let's look at the Gemara. Rabbi Shoben Levi taught, If one sold his servant to a Gentile, we penalize him and make him buy the person back for even up to 100 times the amount. Is 100 a precise figure or an exaggeration? Listen to the following proof. Reish Lakish taught, If one sold a large animal to a Gentile, we penalize him and make him buy it back for even up to 10 times the amount. Perhaps the servant is different though, for every day he is in the hands of the Gentile, he is removed from mitzvahs. Let's analyze the Gemara. In days of yore, human beings were sometimes sold to servants. How did that happen? One example provided by the Torah regarding Jewish servants occurred when someone lacked the means to feed his family. He would sell himself and use the funds to provide for his loved ones. In other words, such servitude was viewed as a respectable alternative to begging for alms. To illustrate this point, let me share with you a conversation I had with a charity collector, Tzedakah Meshulach, a few months ago. A fellow knocked on my door asking for Tzedakah. He had no special story of illness or disability. He simply lost his job and had no means of support. I gave him tzedakah and a blessing that he find work soon. He was about to depart when I had an idea. Would you like to be my partner? I asked. I write books on Dafyomi. How about you take a box and we'll go 50-50. Instead of knocking on doors and asking for charity, you can ask people to buy the books. He agreed and took a box of books. A few minutes later, there's a knock on the door. I open it and the fellow hands me the box. I've changed my mind, he tells me. Thank you for the offer, but I'm going to pass. Unfortunately, it seems to follow decide that it was easier to ask people for charity than to convince them to purchase a safer. 
So when the Torah offered servitude as an alternative to begging, it wasn't viewed as a lowly detestable occupation. It was a respectable path to getting back on one's feet. In fact, what was deemed detestable was the servant who wished to remain enslaved after his period of six years. He had to submit himself to a ritual that included boring a hole in his ear to remind him that he had heard God declare at Mount Sinai that we are his servants alone. It's important to recall this distinctive Torah attitude to slavery when we discuss the Gentile servant as well. Canaanite servants loved joining Jewish families because they were treated as human beings with the utmost respect and dignity. In fact, it was such an accepted part of the family that the Torah expected them to take part in mitzvah observance, including Shabbos and Kosher. Not all 613 mitzvahs, but most of them. Agamara discusses a Jewish family that sold their servant to a Gentile family. The sages decreed that if that ever happened, we would force the Jewish family to buy him back. Why? Because he would no longer be able to observe the mitzvahs. One is obligated to pay literally a hundred times the original sale price to get him back. Let's give that scenario some perspective. Today, if I would want to hire domestic help, it would cost me at least $20,000 a year. Now, back in the day, you didn't just purchase for a year. The sale was forever, which would have cost substantially more. But for argument's sake, let's stay with the figure of 20 grand. Listen to what our sages demanded of a person who sold his Gentile servant. You would have to pay a hundred times the amount to get him back. That's $2 million. Why would you have to pay so much? You could get a new servant for a fraction of the price. The reason you have to pay that exorbitant amount is that you have now deprived him of the ability to perform mitzvahs. A Gentile who did not stand at Sinai and hear God's command, and yet our sages are concerned to the tune of $2 million? If that's how much his performance of mitzvahs is worth, can you imagine how much the performance of a mitzvah for those that God did command must be worth? But if mitzvahs are so valuable, why are people negligent in their performance? The problem is that we live on an island full of diamonds. Mitzvahs are so easy to come by that we don't appreciate their true value. When we return home after 120 years on this earth, our loved ones will ask to see the diamonds we brought with us. And we'll begin to cry, realizing that we could have been heavenly multi-billionaires, if only we'd appreciate the value of a mitzvah. Next time you're lying in bed, hitting that snooze button, debating whether or not to get up for a million, ask yourself if you would go for a million bucks. And next time you're debating whether to eat a product with a K on it and no further information, ask yourself if you'd risk consuming something of questionable kashras if you were offered a million dollars in exchange for choosing something else. Once you've had the conversation with yourself, the results will speak for themselves. Mitzvahs are priceless. We don't realize their value simply because they're found in such abundance here. May you merit filling up your pockets, bags, and U-holes with mitzvahs in preparation for your journey to the real world, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Daft Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. If you've enjoyed being my Chavrissa today, please consider purchasing the book series or partnering with the Center for Torah Values as we show the value of Torah and instill our values with Torah. Check it out at transformativeduff.com and across social media at Rabbi Daniel Friedman.